Welcome. You are listening to a sermon preached at Church at the Armory. If you like what you hear, share it. God bless you. Living, this would be great. I'm like, no. All right, everybody good? I'm going to talk about what Patty brought up and what so many other people just talked about. Is like I'm going to talk about lies. There's probably not a more important message for our time right now than to talk about on a continual basis that we need to guard our thoughts because the enemy... And his lies are not only rampant, but they are having a real effect on the world we live in. Amen? And I'm talking about everything from little bitty small stuff to huge worldwide events. Lies are just rampant. Make sense? All the way down to the individual about what a person believes about them, or like Bethany said, what a person believes individually about God. The enemy, the first lie ever told was to get somebody to misbelieve about God. That makes sense? And so uh, it, it's all the way to the individual. It's to, it's to uh, your family. The, the enemy's lying about your family. The enemy's lying about, uh, pro, uh, my brother talked about prodigals. People who aren't born again in our families. And the enemy's like, man, they're not going to get born again. But they're going to get born again. Because our prayers are powerful. What does the scripture say about our prayers? They are powerful. They are effective. Like we got to get to this place where we believe that our our prayers are effective. That when we pray them, they actually work. And that the enemy's not stronger than our prayers. Amen? And so you may have to pray for a while. There's a story in the Old Testament, right? They prayed and fasted for a while, and finally there was a breakthrough that happened. But see, but, but prayer will provide the breakthrough if you don't give up and you don't quit and you believe that they are working and effective. Amen? And so, and so uh, lies about our, our family, our, our city, our state, our nation, our world or whatever lies about everything there's nothing the enemy's not lying about if his mouth is moving this is our battle this is our war and it's not acceptable listen to me this is this is not a dig at anybody or anything it's not acceptable to have a big pie chart up here and go I 90% believe the truth, but I got 10% where I'm still believing. A lot. That makes sense? Like we have to believe in the, the whole truth. Makes sense? The full gospel. What it says about everything. From Genesis to Revelation, what he says is the word of God. It is the truth, period. Amen? And so we got to, we got to fully embrace truth. And our minds are not... Um, I feel like we treat our minds where stuff happens to our minds and we don't have a lot of control over it, but we really, that's where the, and still from Joyce Meyer, that's where the battle is, right? Where the war is fought. So let's, let's just start right there. Give me Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10. You are a triune being. You're made up of a body, you're made up of a soul, you're made up of a spirit. You're in the image of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you got this triune being. Your soul, everybody say, my soul. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, your emotions. Your mind will lie to you. Y'all don't shout me down. Your mind will lie to you. Your desires, your will, will lie to you. If anybody's ever been in, in youth group with Chester, your emotions will. And so we don't walk according to the flesh. Your flesh, this thing right here, it's like your spacesuit. That's a decent analogy. It's not a great analogy. It's like a spacesuit, but pretty much it's going to respond. It's going to do whatever your soul tells it to do. Okay? Okay. Um, so your, your flesh, your, your body, is not in charge. Uh, we're not 
animalistic creatures who respond to the impulses of our flesh. Y'all out there this morning? Okay, in case y'all forgot the word is amen. Okay, okay, so we're not animalistic creatures who just respond to what the body is telling us to do, right? We're created in the image of God. We don't walk according to the flesh. The flesh is everything except for the spirit. Your mind, your will, your emotions, your soulish realm will either be led by the flesh or to be led by the spirit of God. You can have thoughts that are from the flesh or you can have thoughts that are from the spirit of God. Y'all know the difference? <laughs> you can have desires from the flesh. You can have desires from the spirit of God. Paul talked about this battle. He said, I find myself doing the things I don't want to do and not doing the things I know. Right? This desire battle. Uh, your emotions. You can have emotions from the flesh. They can be good or bad emotions, but they can be from the flesh. And you can have emotions from the spirit. Right? The scripture's the one that's telling you to rejoice and be glad. That's spirit-led emotion. It's also the scripture telling you to, to, uh, to avoid, you know, certain things like, you know, whatever. The, the, these emotions. Anger is a good one. Wrath, rage, uh, you know, drunk, the idea of debauchery or drunkenness where it's just like party free for all, all that kind of stuff. The scriptures are telling us that you will either live according to the flesh or you live according to the spirit. And that's the war. That's the battle. And that battle happens pretty much right here where your head is. Let me, let me explain this. We walk in the flesh. We do not war according to the flesh. So most of the time, man's answer for problems with his flesh is to try to beat up his flesh. The answer is not to beat up the flesh. The answer is to submit to the spirit. And only in the place of the spirit can you accurately crucify the flesh. Does that make sense? So if you try to crucify the flesh outside of the spirit, you can do damage. You can do harm. You can get into legalism. That makes sense? You can get into, like, you know, there used to be this sect of Catholics that would literally beat themselves to try to force themselves. That's not the spirit, right? The, and they would, they would use scriptures like crucify the flesh to justify these actions. Well, that's not what he's talking about. He's like, get in the spirit and to deny the flesh is, a, is, a, is the right way to do that. Somebody say Amen. We do not walk in the flesh. We do not war according to the flesh. Our war is not in the flesh. Next verse, please, brother. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh. They're not carnal. But they are divinely powerful. Go back to that prayer speech I just gave you a while ago. Your prayer, your spirit walk is very powerful. Y'all are scaring me. Your spirit walk is very powerful. And one of the biggest lies that the church is facing is that it's not powerful. Matter of fact, it's weaker than it's ever been. And it's not as... You see what I'm saying? The spirit's still the spirit. He's not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The spirit walk is very powerful. It's still effective. It still produces good fruit. It still changes lives. Somebody say amen. So our, but we are not... The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful. In other words, what this, what, one of the things this says is we can't fight the war on the flesh level, the soul level. Uh, when we come to church, it's got to be something more than we just make each other feel better about our dysfunction. But actually, we come and find spiritual answers to fleshly problems. Does that make sense? And that's where the power is. Okay, it's, imagine the blind beggar encountering Jesus and Jesus hugs him until he feels better about his blindness. That's not what he needed. He needed healing. The only spirit could provide healing. Imagine the leper walking up to Jesus and son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus like from a distance like, Look, I know you're going to live in a leper colony, but you're going to be the best leper in the leper colony that the leper colony has ever seen. You can do this, man. It's not what he, he needed to feel better about his dysfunction. He needed somebody to say, you're clean. That's what spirit does. 
Amen? And so church has got to be more than just making each other feel better about our dysfunction. It has to be this place where the Spirit comes and gives real answers to real, uh, to real flesh problems. Amen, Chester. Good preaching. But divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Jim, what's a fortress? Stronghold. Where'd your stronghold happen? Now, strongholds in themselves aren't bad. Talon just read the scripture where the Lord was the stronghold, right? But you're going to have this, this fortress inside of your head, and it's going to be the way God thinks, or it's going to be the way hell thinks. Be careful what kind of fortress you build. Amen, Brother Chester. Our weapons of our warfare are not in the flesh, but divinely powerful, and they will go to fortresses of wrong thinking and ways of thought that are against God, and those divinely powerful forces can rip those things down. But not just to be ripped down, but to build back up, right? You don't just sweep the house clean, but the house must be then occupied. So you've got to rebuild a house, a fortress of right thinking. The fortress is our God. That's, his name is a, is a strong power. The righteous run to it, right? That's, that's what we've we got to build ways of thinking that are divinely inspired and powerful by God. Next verse, verse 5. We are destroying. Everybody say destroying. Where do speculations happen? In our heart, in our soul. We are destroying speculations. And man, do we not live in an age where these ideologies are more than just different ways of thinking, but they're almost like um, these ideologies that are desired that, that are really high and lofty to be worshipped, right? Like these uh, these uh, these systems of thinking that if you don't think like me, you're wrong, and you need to bend your knee to this way of thinking, yeah. right? As a matter of fact, if you don't think this way, you hate us. Yeah. And so they're they're more than just different ways of thinking. They're actually they're actually lofty things raised up against God. And they demand not just uh, that you think that way, that you literally bow to it and worship it that way. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? They're, they're, la- they're lofty. So everybody say speculations. Raise your hand if you've ever speculated. What is speculation? Speculation is a lie that you develop in your head. And the story keeps building and growing and growing and growing until you've so convinced yourself that what's in your head is reality. And then you begin to live based upon what's in your head and not what the truth is. Right? I mean, we can go a thousand different ways right here. We can go a thousand different ways right here. Missy finds a friend on Facebook, Keanu Reeves. She messages old Keanu Reeves. They start talking on Facebook, right? I don't know. Chester's oblivious. And one conversation leads to another conversation, and at some point she has this little thought that my life would be better with Keanu than Chester. And that speculation, that seed thought begins to grow and develop and there's more time. put. And the next thing you know, <laughs> I'm left out because Keanu Reeves, the worst actor in American history, <laughs> stole my wife. You understand what I'm saying? Because, because a speculation grew in, into activity. I'm going to tell a story now that I've been wanting to tell for two weeks Lexi, come here, baby. How many of y'all love Lexi? Oh, I love her. Down here. Lexi text, uh, called me this week. Was it this week or last week? Uh, it was this week. It was, okay. Lexi called me one day in the last few days, the last 10 days, let's say. So 
I look at my phone, I'm like, Lexi don't call dad. Lexi doesn't call dad. She's got a fiance. Little jerk. Anyway, so my point is, I'm trying to tell you. So she don't call dad. Like she's never called dad. And I'm like, why is she calling me? My first thought is something's wrong. Okay. So I answer the phone. I've always called Lexi. Okay. Her phone, my phone is ringing. It's Lexi. Hey, Lexi. You don't say, hey, Lexi. It's like, hey, Lexi. Like, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. Oh, good. Why are you calling? I had a bad dream. <laughs> okay, what was the bad dream? I promise you I am not exaggerating. Her voice changed. You were mean to me. <laughs> I'm like, I literally felt myself being sucked into this vortex of like the twilight zone. I'm like, what is happening? You were mean to me. Well, what happened? <laughs> and you know, uh, you know, if, I'm trying to tread lightly here. You know, a a member of the human race in the female section is mad when they start stressing pronouns. You, you know what I'm talking about? And so she said the dream was is that I had a friend and that we needed dinner. And so she cooked us dinner and she set the table and we sit down at the table and she feeds us dinner. And my friend started being mean to her and bad mouthing her. And she's going, you didn't defend me because you, and I'm like, whoa, the pronouns calm down. And she's like, and she's like, you know, and the more she talks about a dream that didn't happen, the angrier she is. And she's not dream mad. She's for real mad at me because I was mean to her in a dream. Now, don't y'all answer. Thank you, Lexi. Can I my phone? No. Not at all. No, no we, we are taking hold of that and destroying that speculation, okay? All right. And so, so she had this dream. She mad at me in a dream. And my whole point, that's how speculation works. It's like you begin to roll this movie in your mind. You begin to play this thought in your mind. And it's not real. It's not true. It's not reality. But in your mind, you're beginning more and more convinced. Does that make sense? How many of y'all have done this? Raise your hand. Don't lie in the house of God. We've all done this. So we are destroying. Everybody say destroying. destroying. Speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive. The earnest the imperative is on the believer to take their thoughts captive. How many of us are living in a mental state where our thoughts are taking our hearts captive? And the believer here is supposed to grab all the thoughts and say, Nope, you must become obedient to Jesus. That's what it says. Taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Nope, you got to be obedient. Nope, right? How many of you tell yourself no? We should tell ourselves no more often. Amen? Like, no. It's plausible. It makes sense. We can see it. We can, we can believe how that could be true. And we're not going, stop, stop, stop. No. That thought right there, you got to come obedient to Jesus Christ. And that's... That's another area of the, the battle of thinking is so many times we're trying to make it obedient to us. No, it becomes obedient to Christ. Everything we believe, everything that we hold dear as truth has got to become obedient to the word of God. It, you, you grab a hold of it and you put it in submission under the word. Not even to me and my way of thinking because I can be deceived. I can be the pride product of the speculation. I have to bring it obedient to Christ. And so, well, what do you do? Well, you, whatever the word says, that's what you make it a subject to. So uh, if you begin to experience something that's coming against you, you, you respond with it the same way Jesus responded to Satan in his temptation with the word of God. Yeah. Does that make sense? 
You gotta take the you gotta put the word on. That's what that's what Renee's talking about and 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 uh Patty was talking about. It's like we gotta we gotta combat these things. When darkness comes, you throw light at it. You can't fight this fire with fire. You fight this fire with the word of God. Does that make sense? So that's what we're gonna do. That's what we're gonna talk about for just oh my goodness, so much time has passed. Yeah, uh, we were talking about painting this week. And remember the walls were really white. They were just very, very white. And I remember that color, that, that outside wall color, this repost gray. I remember we started in the back corner to make sure this is what we wanted to do. I remember putting my first stroke of cut in up against the ceiling. And I got off the ladder and I looked at it and I go, ooh, I don't know. That's dark. I was so unsure of myself. I went and got Sherry and I'm like, Sherry? come look at this. And Sherry looked at it and she's like, yeah, that's pretty dark. And I'm like, but then she said, but you already brought the paint. <laughs> and so, and so, uh, let me ask you a question. Is, is that outside wall, is that too dark? Look to me, look at me. I couldn't see it correctly because it was too fresh. You understand what I'm saying to you? That the situation was so raw and fresh, I couldn't see it correctly. And this little paint illustration is so many times we will begin to uh, seed thoughts inside of our heart in the freshest moments of what has happened. Man, I'm preaching better than y'all shout. We'll begin to seed thoughts in our heart in the freshest moment of what has happened, and we don't go, hold on, hold up, just give it a second and let this thing dry a little bit. And let's just see, let's just see what it really is and not what it looks like right now. That makes sense? And so uh, you, there's this problem within the church, within the Christian mind. That, belinks, that, that has come to the point where it believes its first thought is the most accurate thought. That makes sense? That our first thought about a situation is the most accurate thought about a situation. And that's not necessarily true. So Psalm 1, blessed is the man who does not walk, stand, or sit in the way of wicked. Right? But he sits among the counsel of the godly and he delights himself in the law, the word of God, day and night. Because he knows his first thought is not the most accurate thought. I've got to get godly counsel. I've got to immerse myself in the word. And then maybe I can think the right thought about the situation. Okay, let's do Let's go. Uh, what do I got next? I got next. Uh, yeah, just skip over there. Oh, I got verse 6. Uh, yeah, go, go, go to verse 6. I'm sorry. Go back. <laughs> go, back to verse, go back to verse 5 for me. Everybody say destroying. destroying. Take, captive. Take captive. Verse 6. Punish. This is how we approach our thought life. It's war. We're coddling too much bad thought. Petting it, coddling it. The scripture is using very violent language. You destroy it. You punish it. You, uh, what was the other one? Grab a hold of it. Take it captive. Right? This is how we need to treat our thought life. That makes sense? Y'all with me? We are ready to punish disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. In other words, disobedience Disobedience against God always starts right up here in our mind. Right? So grab a hold of that thing. Slam it on the ground. Punish it. Okay. Um, verse, give me, give me the, the next set of scriptures. Now I'm, we're almost done. Not really, but I'm going to say that anyway. Matthew, is this Matthew? This is Matthew. I got my notes right here. This is Matthew. Come on. John 8. John 8. You are of your father, the devil. How many of y'all would be encouraged to hear Jesus say this to you? <laughs> he wasn't saying it to you believers. He was saying it to the religious people. And he says, your daddy's the devil. 
He wasn't coddling wrong thinking. Well, you guys, you know, you got a lot of things right about God, but you're just kind of off in this one. No, he says, you guys, your dad's the devil. When we're talking to people who are very righteous and, uh, excuse me, self-righteous, moral, upstanding citizens, religious leaders, and he doesn't say, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't come in there and say, man, you got a lot of things right. You're just missing a small piece of the puzzle and everything. No, he's like, you guys, your daddy's the devil. That point preaches itself. You have your father, the devil. You want to do that. Where did desires come from? I say desires. Where did desires come from? In the soul, in your mind, your will, your emotions. You want to live from the soulish realm of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. You might know what he's talking about. Ask Esau, right? He's a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Everybody say truth. He can't stand in the truth. You're, you can never take what hell says and go, that's the right answer. Even if it's like Daniel said earlier, the fact is this. That makes sense? You can never take what hell says and that's a fact. We're not living according to facts. We're living according to the truth. And it's not your truth. And it's not my truth. It's the truth of the word of God. Amen. He was a murderer from the beginning. Does not stand the truth because there is absolutely zero truth in him. So I can never sympathize with the lie because there's nothing in it to grab a hold of that the that, that truth would stick to it. Does that make sense? I cannot sympathize with the lie because there's no truth there. God is truth. He's love. He's truth. And you can't take a lie and, and, and attach some God stuff to it and call it good. Yeah. That makes sense? So there's nothing there. So uh, do not stand in truth because there is no truth. And whenever Satan speaks a lie, he speaks his own native tongue. He speaks the only language he knows how to say. The problem is, is it's the same language we speak. It's, it's, right, it's in here, and it probably even sounds a lot like something you would say. <laughs> that was funny. Right? It sounds like something I would predispose to say. Well, that, he's just, I'm going to, I just can't, right? Right, right? That wasn't even Satan. That was me. That makes sense? And so... Whenever Satan speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar, and he is the father, the originator, the one who planted the first seed of all lies. And why, as a society, especially a believing in Jesus society, we are trying to coddle lies is beyond comprehension to my mind. Verse 45. No, I didn't give you verse 45, did I? Let's go to Romans chapter 1. The point is this. Satan is operating in lies and deceit, deception, right? Uh, uh, he's cunning and crafty, right? These are all those biblical explanations about Satan. They're cunning, crafty, a deceiver, accuser. Right? Accuser. Jesus and the Spirit operates in truth and light. And one of the greatest gifts that the church must recapture in this day and time is the gift of discerning. Listen, do not stop and say discerning. It's not discernment. It's discerning of spirits. Because you can have Satan and God saying the same thing, but you've got to discern the spirit. This is why we're being deceived, because we hear what we think is fact or truth, but we're not hearing the spirit behind what was said. Jesus rebuked his disciples who wanted to call down fire from heaven, and he says, you don't know what you're of. 
even though they were saying something that absolutely had happened in the Old Testament. This is where we're off. Is we're, we're fact-checking everything on bullet point paper, and we're saying, well, that's what the fact-check says, but that's not how you discern. You discern by spirit, not by a, a bullet point fact-check. Even the word is not to be uh, interpreted or, 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 or read from an intellectual standpoint. It's to be discerned by the Spirit. Uh, my word is a lamp. What is a lamp? The lamp is the Spirit. A lamp, the Spirit that guides your path. The, the, the Holy Spirit, what? Teaches us all things, the Word of God. Right? The word is, is uh, how many people have taken the word of God in the flesh and have beat down Christians for generations and generations and generations? Because the truth isn't the black and white pages of the paper. It's in the spirit of the man who wrote it. The Holy Ghost. So, since the, so Paul said this in, in Romans chapter 1. Matter of fact, I want you to skip down, brother. Skip down to verse 24. No, skip down for, to verse 26. For this reason, everybody say for this reason. God gave them over, them being the lost, uh, the reprobate. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. That's living, that's living in your soulish realm versus by the Spirit. Degrading passions are desires not from the Spirit. Does that make sense? God gave, for this reason, we'll get to the reason in a second, God gave them over to degrading passions for the women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. Just keep on going, brother. Verse 27, and in the same way, men abandoned natural function of the woman and burned with the desire toward another. Men with men committing indecent acts, receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Keep on going, verse 28. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God. This is what I want to say right now. When we come to these issues like homosexuality, like gender identity crisis, like take any issue, any issue, uh, what you believe about Israel right now, take any issue, what you believe about what God has said to you right now, take any issue. It's not ever what we believe about the the horizontal argument. It's always about what we believe about the vertical argument. In other words, it's not what I I believe about the homosexual. It's not what I believe about the the, the gender confused. It's not what I believe about uh, uh, me personally. It's not what I believe about Israel. It's what I believe about what God has said about gender identity and about homosexuality and about promises to me and about Israel. It's about what when we come to crises of truth, the crises of faith about what we believe about what God has said which was the very first lie ever told. In Genesis chapter 3, did God really say? All lies are not meant to get you to believe bad about other people. All lies are seed form meant to get you to doubt what God has said. So what we believe about issues really isn't about this. It's right here about this. This is what he says right here. They did not see fit to acknowledge God. So once they got this distorted, all this just goes bad. God gave them over to depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. People having been uh, filled with all, everybody. This is a list here. Unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They're gossips. They're gossips. They're gossips. They're gossips. Man, my CD is stuck on skip mode. I'm sorry for a second. <laughs> Some people are like, what's a CD? Right? There's a glitch in the matrix. Verse 30. Slanderers, haters of God. Haters of, because lies get you to, lies will get you to the point 
where you will end up hating God if you don't take that thing captive early on. You gotta, if you don't grab that thing quickly, grab it, snatch it by the tail. You can, you, you didn't wake up one in the morning just hating God. There was a seed. It was allowed to germinate. It was watered with uh, plausibility. Made lots of sense. It was, it was planted in a soil of, of, of just this could be. That makes sense? Insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, uh, disobedient to parents right past more children. And although they knew the ordinance of God... That those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but they also get to the point where they're so deceived, they like put their stamp of approval on people who uh, used to. You would get, uh, you would see a, a young lady who got an abortion, and she'd be full of shame. Now a young lady gets an abortion. And wears it like a badge of honor. And will say things like, hold up signs. Around, I'm glad I murdered my baby and you should. like, like that. I'm not, not making this up. Because the, de- the depravity, the deception keeps getting so bad, so bad, so bad. That it, it, it's not something you want to try to even put in the darkness anymore. Now you flaunt it. In other words, it becomes higher and loftier. That makes sense? It becomes higher and loftier and keeps rising up against God. Now go all the way back to verse, uh, the verse that starts this. Verse 20. We're almost done. Maybe, maybe these, first, these verses, we're done. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen. What a play on words. The invisible is clearly seen. Because it's not seen with flesh eyes or soulish eyes. It, you can, the only way you can see is to see by the Spirit. For who can ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And that pure heart is a single-eyed man who, looks, who goes to the mountaintop to see God. And there's no division in his eye. He, he has one purpose, is to see God, okay? as a whole other sermon I'll preach soon, okay? Uh, but being clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Verse 21. Verse 21, brother. For even though they knew God, this is the point. This isn't about mankind. This is about God. They knew God. They did not honor him. They lost the reverence, honor, fear, respect, holiness, this uh, sobriety when it came to God. Does that make sense? They did not honor him, give thanks. This is why people who won't give thanks make me nervous. Self-righteousness is the idea that I did it myself. That's a scary place to be. But they became futile in their speculations. There's that word again. Oh, Paul using them same words. Like they became futile in their thinking. So they knew God, but they wouldn't honor him. So now they, their, their thinking becomes speculative. And their foolish heart. Everybody say Heart. I'm emphasizing these areas of the soul. You see what I'm saying? Their thinking, their heart, their desires, their will. These things not led by the spirit anymore that removed God out of the equation are now led by the flesh and the soulless realm gets messed up because it's not led by the spirit, it's led by the flesh. Verse 22. Or verse 21, even though they knew God, or verse 22, their heart was darkened. Verse 22, professing to be wise, they became, how many of y'all have seen some wise, once wise people become very foolish in their life? This would be a good time to raise your hand. Don't look at your spouse, okay? 
How many of y'all have, have seen some very, that person was, that person knew. That person was raised. Why are they doing this now? Because at some point, they, they believed a lie about who God was. And then they, they, they drifted off into this realm of thinking that had got them in trouble. What, who, they once were wise, but now they're fools. Which the contrast is a lot of us were fools, but now we're wise. Not wise in our own eyes, but wise because the Spirit. That makes sense? So let's keep on verse, verse 23. They exchanged. Everybody say exchanged. For the believer, look at me, for the believer especially. I'm not so sure I can't include the rest of mankind because this is addressing not just believer but the rest of mankind, but especially for the believer. We have this tendency to believe that deception from the enemy is something that catches us off guard and not really our fault. Make sense? We have this tendency to believe that I was duped. Like the traveling vacuum cleaner man that sold me a vacuum cleaner for $5,000 that, you know. That makes sense? I was duped. And that's kind of how we have this mentality. Look at me. We have this mentality that as we're walking in our, we're people who have wisdom. We have the spirit of God and discernment inside of us. And we're walking in wisdom. But at some point along the line, I got duped. And I don't believe that's how it works, ladies and gentlemen. I believe the scripture says that there's this point when you will actually exchange it. There's twice he uses this exchange. What happens is you beginning. You begin to ignore the red flags. And you go, well, this is okay. Well, this is okay. Well, God's okay with this. And this is okay. And God's okay. And this is okay. And he, he, it's not that big a deal. And you keep ignoring red flags, ignoring red flags. And you're in a process of making a transaction where you keep handing over more wisdom and keep taking in more foolishness. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of man. And if this isn't the idolatry of the world we live in, I don't know what is. Everything is centered around man. Even we go back to trading natural relations for unnatural relations. I don't desire what God prepared for me. I desire what looks like me. That makes sense? And so everything is coming to where, where, where we want what is us. Instant gratification... Make sense? Everything is, is me instant now, and, it, and it's a lie. The lie is the most important thing in your world is your happiness and your satisfaction and your instant gratification. That makes sense? That's not the lie. Treasures are in Christ. That makes sense? Joy is found in the Holy Spirit. Everything we want, desire, and need is not inside of us. It's inside of him. I need him inside of me. The lie is I can find happiness inside myself. You can't. You can't. You can't. I need Jesus. The most miserable I've ever been was I was all by myself. Anybody ever been there? Just me. Just me. Corruptible man, birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Verse 24. I promise you I'm done. Verse 24. Therefore God gave them over to lust of the heart. Everybody say soulish realm. Impurity to their bodies. Everybody say flesh. Would be dishonored among them. Verse 25. For they, everybody say exchange. And over the process of time, they exchanged the truth not just your truth. Not, the, not, even, not even, quote, unquote, the church's truth. Not America's truth or society's truth. Y'all out there? They exchanged the truth of God. What's more truthful than that? And at some point, those seed, 
pretend like this is an apple hanging from a tree or a fruit, all you literalists, in a garden, in a garden. Look at me. And at some point, when the seed's been planted in your mind, y'all follow me, the seed's been planted in your mind that makes you doubt God, and you begin to, instead of grabbing hold of that thought, casting it down, instead of grabbing hold of that thought, beating it into submission, putting into obedience of Christ, we let that thought grow and fester and fester until we become Eve and make the literal transaction of grabbing a hold of what was forbidden and taking it into our own hearts. Does that make sense? When did she fall? You can say it was the apple. I think she fell. You can say it was when Adam, I don't, who, whoever, who, who cares? The point is, mankind made the mistake when they didn't grab a hold of the lie and beat it down. And I'm willing to bet that 99.9999999% of Chester's problems and issues arise from not grabbing a hold of the lies and breeding them into submission. Whether they're what I believe about me, about my family, about this church. Y'all out there? Man, there's been lots of truth spoken about this church. There's been lots of lies spoken about this church as well. I can still hear the voices in my head that say they'll never make it. Thank you, Cohen. Here's the deal. There may have been some facts mixed in with that thought process, but the Spirit says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The Spirit says, in your hundredth year. Y'all are not stepping what I'm stepping in. The Spirit said, in your hundredth year, from a hundred-year-old pulpit, we'll launch this missile again. Y'all hear what I'm saying to you? And so I don't care what it's about. It could be something so small as your self-confidence and something so huge about World War III. But the enemy's lying. That makes sense? And whatever we agree with, you don't need to know, is it fact? Is it true? Is it beat the bullet points? Well, No, you got to know what spirit it's of. And if you don't grab a hold of thoughts that are anti-God, raising themselves up against him, and you don't bring them down and punish those things and put them under the obedience of Christ, you'll find yourself picking up, exchanging truth of God for a lie, picking the fruit off that tree and consuming it in your own body. And when that happened, it changed everything. It makes sense? So this is why I say this is one of the most important messages I can preach and probably need to preach it once a month until Jesus comes back. Because we have got to be diligent. Diligent about what we do up here. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? If God said it, doesn't matter how crazy and ridiculous it is. Doesn't really matter if I think that he should have said it or not. If he said it, I need to do what Renee said. If he said it, I need to say it too. Danny, what was that word you sent me, that Greek word you sent me this week? Say it real loud. Homo. What? Oh, he's looking up on his phone. That's cheating. I can't Google during my sermon. Real loud, Danny. Greek word, and the definition was? To say the same thing. It's a Greek word found 27 times, is that right? 27 times in the New Testament. And it's the idea that whatever God says, you say the same thing. This is why I go back to my principle I teach you. As a believer, uh, all my rights 
died at the cross with Jesus. I don't have, I don't have the luxury of a personal opinion. Really, my only job is to echo the Holy Ghost. To say what He says. Here's the thing. In order to know what He's saying, you have to be connected to the Spirit. For I am the vine, Jesus said. Right? we got to connect to the Spirit, and i got to walk in the Spirit, walk not fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and i got to say what He says. Is that easy to do? Come on, raise your hand if it's easy. Caught you back there in the back. Caught you, okay? It's not easy. How many of y'all struggle with this? Raise your hand. Okay, this is why it's a walk. This is not a, we're not, and nobody here is perfect. Somebody say amen. This is a walk, and every day you put one foot in front of the other, and you keep walking out this process. Nope, grab that down, cast it to the ground, stomp its little head off, and you just keep punishing lies, punishing thoughts, punishing these things, and go, and, 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 and it's not enough just to punish. you got to replace those things. God said this, God said this, God said this, God said this. And, and in the name of Jesus, I hope some of y'all get bulldog tenacity about some things that God has said over your life and you bite into them and you do not let go until you see God come through. Amen? Amen. Okay, I've done preached too long. It's 1210 and, and it's, that's an atrocity. Stand up on your feet. That's a lie. That's right. <laughs> that's an atrocity. See, there you go. Take that thought out of my head and crush it. Amen. Punish it. And some of you go, it wasn't that bad of a lie. <laughs> Everybody good? All right, we're going to do something we haven't done in a while. Once you close your eyes, we're going to repeat this prayer to me. Say, Jesus, I pray for the grace to hear the Spirit clearly. Make me an echo of what you say. In Jesus' name we pray. God, I pray over this church specifically a helmet of salvation that would protect the mind from the onslaught of the lies of the enemy. That every person in this room that is struggling to believe what God has said, that their mind would be shielded from the fiery darts, the lies of the enemy. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say it. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.